Take two. Welcome to the journey of grief. My name is Marlene Kraft and I'll be your presenter today. My husband was a pastor for 30 years and my journey of grief is a different one because the Lord actually laid it on my heart that he was going to be taking my husband home before he died, even though he was healthy. But it was something I hid in my heart and I trusted the Lord to take care of things and he did. And when, when my husband died in my arms suddenly, the, a blanket of God's peace came upon me. But for everyone, the journey of grief is different. It is a very strange road to travel. And when you have a friend who is grieving, it can be very uncomfortable because you don't know what to say or do. You don't want to hurt them. You don't want to cause them to cry. But that's why we're here today. So you can better understand grief and how you can best help that person. So thank you for choosing to take this class. To be able to help those in grief, you need to understand, A, some things about grief. So I'm going to explain things about the grief journey, and then we're going to take time to share ways to help those in grief. I'm sure many of you may have experienced the death of a close friend or a relative. Yes, I see those hands. That's a lot of people. But you know what? I don't know about you, but I never took the class Grief 101. They didn't teach it in my high school. So when my husband suddenly died in my arms, I had no idea of what was ahead of me. As a missionary now for the Assemblies of God to widows, I travel a lot across the nation. And I love the adventure of traveling. And I'm really thankful for Siri. Uh, I'm, I have no idea how single missionaries found their way to some churches out in Podunk Hollow just, just using a map while driving. Siri, Siri's really good and helpful until I hit a detour. <laughs> then Siri is not a real big help at all. So I have to pay really close attention to the signs if I want to get back on the main road. So, and in that same way, it's like that when walking through grief. So I'm going to share with you some signs of grief that that people experience as they travel that journey. The first one is the detour sign. When you lose someone close to you, it's, it's like you've been suddenly forced into a detour and you have to try to figure out how to get through these unfamiliar side roads that you're not used to traveling. And grief is that journey. It's a road that we don't choose to go down. Many times it is just as unexpected as a detour sign. It throws you off balance. There's so many emotions that you have to process all at one time. And it can cause one to feel like you're going crazy. I have heard from the majority of widows that I've talked to that this has been their feeling walking through grief. There are times that it just, it, you know, they're, they're worried. They're worried psychologically that they're going crazy. But... The good news is that it is normal. Now, now with my craziness, I ended up finding my keys in the freezer one time. And that, that was not normal. <laughs> but it's part of grief. I, I want you to realize grief is normal. Many times people do feel like they have to be brave and strong for the other people around them. But 
Yet we need to let them be as God created them to be, which is human. And grieving is a natural process to walk through. People in grief, they need to be able to express their hurt and their pain. There are some who feel, especially men, you know, they just kind of pretend that, you know, it's not happening. You know, I, I'm fine. I'm fine. And, and they just let it build up inside. It's really bad. They, people do not need to shut off the pain of grief. They need to be able to share it because it's natural. Think about it. Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died. Yet Jesus knew he was going to be raising him up from the dead, yet he still wept. And he wept because he loved Lazarus. And that's how it is. When, when a friend, when a relative, someone who's close to you, passes away, you know, you're going to grieve. And because so much changes so quickly. A loss of a friend, a parent, a child, or even a spouse. And once, once they're gone, life is never going to be the same. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Another, another sign of grief that we're talking about today is roundabouts, and some people call them traffic circles. I didn't grow up with these, but to me, these can be kind of confusing. And, you know, especially if you don't know where you're headed. Just this morning on my way here, I, I had one of those circles. And, you know, here I am in this used, uh, this rental car, not quite sure where I'm going. And Siri tells me, turn, you know, go right onto the circle and then turn left. And I'm like, no, no, that's wrong. Roundabouts, you never turn left. You always go right. And so I was confused even listening to Siri. And roundabouts can be that way. And for many in grief, trying to figure out where to go, what's ahead, is kind of like going around those traffic circles. They're not sure which way to go. And many times it's easier just to keep going round and round and not have to make a decision. Making a decisions for people in grief can just be, it can be, it can be challenging and trying to figure out what they have to do next can just be overwhelming. So understand that when people seem almost paralyzed sometime with grief and not able to make decisions, it's just a normal part of walking through grief. So next, our next sign is going to be, is the slow sign. And this is really important because one of the most important things you need to you need to learn about grief is that you cannot rush a person through grief. Everyone's grief journey is different. Where, where some may take, you know, a year or two, others may take three or four. And even then, a part of you is gone. And so grief can kind of hit, you know, at all different times. They say that it takes, you know, it takes six to nine months just for grief to go from the mind to the heart. So once it gets to the heart, then you have to, you know, go through all those, you know, those, all those emotions. And I have a friend who told me, uh, this was a widow, and she said that she remembers very little from the first six months after her husband died. She doesn't have memories of that first six months. She was just, she was just in a fog that she just couldn't see past. So remember, 
everyone's grief journey is different. You know, you may have gone through the loss of someone, yet your journey is different because your relationship to your loved one is different from their relationship to their loved one. So keep that in mind. You know, some widows say, yeah, she lost her grandmother and she came and told me, I know exactly how you're feeling. That's, you know, you can't really say that because you don't understand unless you have been through that. So a person needs to walk through their grief journey slowly. You can't rush it. Don't push people through it, you know. Many times, you know, um, I had someone the other day who shared with me. They said, yeah, a friend of mine said, boy, it's been six months. You need to get on with it. Well, that person has probably not experienced the loss of a loved one. So understand you cannot rush them through that grief period. Next, the sign we're talking about is the divided highway. And I will say, Ohio, you have a lot of divided highways. In my rental car, I got this big old screen that I'm trying to follow to get here, and it's like one divided highway, another divided highway. You all have got a lot of them. <laughs> but with a divided highway, talking about grieving, your grieving friend has not just lost a loved one. They have also lost what is called secondary losses. Those are the things that affect the other areas of their life, like maybe plans they had made to go with that person. Like many times when husbands die, you know, wives are like, oh, we were planning to do this with retirement. We were going to travel and go see, a, you know, go see our grandkids and all these plans, and suddenly they're all gone, vanished. And it affects so many different areas. All the things that they were looking forward to have now disappeared. And these, these secondary losses, they can hit them at any time. Holidays. Holidays is a big time. You know, your tradition is dad cutting the turkey, and dad's not there anymore to cut the turkey. So a lot of those, you know, you can even be in a store. I remember about six months after my husband Wayne passed away, um, I was going through Walmart at the checkout counter. I saw some Necco wafers candy, if some of you are familiar with that. I don't like the stuff, but he loved that. And whenever I would find it, I would buy it for him. And I was checking out, and I looked down, and there's Necco wafers. And it's like, I can't buy that for him. And I just started crying right there in Walmart. <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned, if I, if I need to cry, no matter where I'm at, just deal with it, people. I need to cry. <laughs> and that's the way we need to be. We need to be understanding with people. But you know, going places can bring along secondary losses. Seeing a couple holding hands or family with kids for someone who lost a child, thinking, oh, you know, that could have been us with that child. So it's really important to remember that anything can become an ambush at any time. So grief can ambush them at any time. So I guarantee you, it is no fun at all. So remember that it's not just their loved one, but all of the secondary losses that they are experiencing every day. Next is the work zone. You know, as Christians, we know that God work is working and that he works all things out together for good. But you know what? Someone in grief 
all they can see at the time is the pain that they're in. So may I encourage you to not necessarily say that to someone who is fresh in their grief? You know, they don't want to hear that, you know, this death is going to, you know, be good for them. No, <laughs> they're covered in grief. Many, many people feel like God has forsaken them. They can't see how on earth this would ever work out for good. But that's okay. It's normal to feel that way. So if you see people who are maybe stumbling and questioning God and saying, oh, I can't come back to church right now, understand that it just takes time. Think about this. Jesus even felt that way on the cross when he cried out, God, why have you forsaken me? And he was the Lord God, and he even felt that way. So understand that grief is an ugly, hard, hard thing to deal with, but the Lord can use us to remind them that the Lord is still close to them. Don't put them down for feeling that, you know, God has, you know, like, like supposedly they're struggling with their faith. They're just so covered in grief that they can't see God right now. But you can just be a loving comfort to let them know God is carrying them through even during this time of them questioning, of them being mad at God. You know, men in the Bible, they were mad at God. One of my favorite people in the Bible is David. I love David. He was so real with God. You know, at times you can just hear him yelling at God. Can you not see the tears that I poured out on my pillow? You know, you've forsaken me. Where are you, God? I have friends and I encourage them, hey, if you need to, go into the woods and you just cry out to God and pour your heart out to God. There is nothing wrong with that. God can handle it. He sees your pain. He knows what you're going through. Jesus himself experienced it. He understands that feeling of being forsaken, the hurt and the pain and the grief. He understands it. But you know what? The thing I love about David, now he was called a man after God's own heart, yet he talked to God that way. He questioned God. He yelled at God. He told God his thoughts and how, what he thought about it. But you know what? After he did that, the thing that made him a man after God's own heart was he didn't then walk away. He stayed in the presence of God until he got the answer from the Lord. That encouragement, that hang in there, whatever he needed. And that's what, that's what we need to encourage our friends. Be patient with them. Let them feel free to go through that time, but you be their encourager. You let them know the Lord still loves you. It's okay that you're questioning him. That's okay. You're going to make it through this. I'm going to be here for you. You be a friend. You be Christ to that person. Here's another point with work zones. Work zones create traffic slowdowns. Who likes that? Nope. But the fact is that God is working. And though it can look so slow in our eyes, many times God is carrying us or he's carrying those in grief. But he can still be working on their heart and in their lives. So yes, there are definite slowdowns. But still, you trust God to, to be working on their hearts. 
don't judge, don't question their faith. They're just in such dark fog that they cannot see God's hand right now when they're hurting. So give grace. Give grace as people are walking through grief. All right, we're going on to our next point, which is the slippery road. You know, <laughs> when there are storms, some roads become slippery. <laughs> thought it was really funny on the way here. I did see a sign that said, um, that said, caution, roads, uh, roads slippery when iced. And I thought, yeah, okay. Thank the Lord, no ice today, even though it was 35 degrees this morning. No ice on the road. <laughs> so, but with the storms, you, you become to where you don't have a good footing. It becomes slippery. Many people feel like they can't even go forward because they can't even, they can't even get a good support within their life because they just are so engulfed in grief. And something else about storms is storms in our life, they bring tears, don't they? And crying is a God-made part of the grieving process. Crying is such an important element. It's a part of the healing process. It is a way, it is a natural release of the pain that we're feeling. You know, when people hold in their tears, it can really end up hurting them physically. Because it, it's going to build up, you know, and maybe, maybe one day, like a dam, it can just finally explode. There was, there was a woman we had on our widow's cruise. That's, that's something special that we do with widows is we take them on a very inexpensive cruise. That's, we try to keep it below $500 for five to six nights. And it gives them a chance. Many of them never had opportunity to do that with their husband. And they're able to go on this cruise and relate to other widows and connect with them and and they understand each other so it's a it's a wonderful time of ministry and i remember this one woman two years ago she shared with me that she had not cried in 10 years she was she was kind of like the monarch of the family and she had not cried in 10 years because she just felt like she needed to be the strong one well the holy spirit started moving in our meeting and she just started crying and she just the tears just absolutely poured forth and there was such a release in her life and it got to the point where she couldn't even stop she she had to get up and dismiss herself because she just could not stop crying and that will happen many times when people hold in their tears and hold in their grief it's gonna come out and unfortunately sometimes it'll come out at the wrong times and people will say things that they don't mean to say but they don't need to hold their grief in. So encourage people that it's okay to cry. Now for men, this can be a really challenging part of grieving. Many men are brought up not to cry. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, they men feel like they've got to be strong. You know, after all, they're the fixers. But there is no way to fix this journey of grief. It's just something you have to walk through. Many men will, will pour themselves into work trying to just put aside their grief, but one day it's going to have to come out and they've got to face it. And men, just like women, they need to be able to cry and they need to find a way to share their thoughts and feelings. 
The name of our ministry is Widow's Link because from the beginning when we began putting this together, the Lord laid on my heart the importance that widows needed each other. Because when you, when you lose a spouse, other people don't understand what you're going through so many times unless they have experienced it themselves. You know, your kids have lost a father, not a partner in life. And so a lot of times you can't understand what the person is going through. And, and so we named our ministry Widow's Link because it's connecting widows to the Lord and to each other and helping them, helping them to discover that God's not done with their life. So many times people in grief just feel like, oh, you know, they're gone. My life is over with. No, if you are breathing and have life, God is not done with you. He still has plans, a future, and a hope for you. And so that's what we really encourage widows is that, that God does have, a, um, does have a future and a hope for them. But they've got to walk through their grief and go through that season before they can step into the next season of discovering what that is. Sometimes grief is even compared to waves that just suddenly come over you when you least expect them. You know, and anything can cause a person to break down and cry. Sometimes it's seeing a particular person, you know, and then here come the tears. Or a grief, because a grieving person is dealing with so many emotions. There's a, there's a picture that I love, and it shows a, uh, a, ball, of, uh, a ball of yarn. And within the ball of yarn are all of these emotions and questions and fears and, and doubts and future and all of this just all entangled together. And here you are hurting and you've got to figure so much of this out and it just, it just can become overwhelming. So crying is helping, helping to relieve that pressure that the grieving person is feeling. So please give them grace and, and, and don't get your feelings hurt if they say something that, you know, might seem inappropriate or wrong to you, to you. You know, don't let it hurt you. Remember who they really are and have patience with them during their grief journey. Just be a friend to them. You know, when the time comes and, you know, as they are walking through grief, our, our last point is to merge. You know, when the time comes, they're going to be able to step back into life because grieving takes time, as I mentioned earlier. But when the time is right, they are going to slowly merge back and become and step into now their, their new reality. Because things are never the same, but it becomes a new normal for them, you know. And they've got to figure out what they look, you know, what that looks like. For widows, we have to figure out who we are without our husbands. You know, I loved being a pastor's wife. And after Wayne died, I'm like, I'm, I'm not a pastor's wife? That was just, I couldn't comprehend that because that's who I was. I'm a pastor's wife. And suddenly not to be that or, you know, you know is just... It's just a whole new world of discovery, and you have to figure out, uh, who am I? What do I like? Uh, um, hang on just a second. I remembered one of the first things I decided was my husband always liked my hair short. He said, Marlene, it's quick. It's fast for you. Well, after he passed away, I thought, 
I want to grow out my hair. I want my hair, you know, longer. And so I went ahead and did that and, you know, got it to be shoulder length and just, I had to discover what I liked. And, and many widows have to do that same thing. But I hope, you know, um, there was a question earlier that someone had asked about, you know, how do you, how do you help them? How do you help people to kind of, if they have kind of gotten, gone inward is what I call it, where it just becomes about them and their grief and all. I talk when I speak to widows, uh, I share about a memory box. We all have this memory, this treasure box. It's where our memories are held. Uh, all of the different pictures, you know, it could be videos. For myself, it, it, is, it is my husband's day timer. He was, he was known as DT Dude because everywhere he was at, he, was, he had his day, day timer underneath his arm and he always had it with him. He was writing down what he did. It was, it was his a way, to, way to keep himself accountable as a pastor. And so that for me is very special and, and I love to go back to it sometimes and just look through it and it was very special because the last day that he was with us, we had gone on a date and we had come back, come back from, the, from, from shopping and I'd laid down and take a nap and then when I got up we looked over some pictures he had downloaded from Christmas and Thanksgiving. Then we went outside and talked, and that's where he suddenly died in my arms. But the last thing that he wrote in his daytimer was the word home. And I thought how appropriate that was. So for me, that, that is a memory I love to go back to. But I remind widows, and we have to remember this with all people with grief, we have to be very careful that we don't end up sitting there and that becomes our world, our memories, you know, that treasure box. We cannot live there because God still has a purpose ahead for us. We're still breathing, so He still has plans for us to do here on earth. And so we want, it, we want to encourage people to be able to you know, if you see people who have gone inward and, you know, have, have almost set up refuge in their home and they're not getting out, the Lord can use you by you inviting them for coffee or take them out for a meal. Ask them if you can bring them somewhere, if they need to go to the grocery store. Help them, you know, by being a friend, by encouraging them to get out more and more. Because there's two proven things in grief. One is that the more you give of yourself, giving to others helps you heal faster in grief because we get our minds off of ourselves and onto others. So that's one way. And the second way, which is super important, and, um, and I brought some today in case anyone would like to take one home with them, is journaling. Journaling is proven to be one of the healthiest things that you can do while you're in grief. And so if you know a grieving friend, I would highly suggest you, you know, you can buy a 25 cent or a dollar notebook at Walmart, or you can get them a nice journal somewhere and really encourage them to write out their feelings. Because like we women, 
we're supposed to we're supposed to speak 20,000 words a day and after your husband is gone and you're in a home by yourself I don't know about you but my fish gets really tired of hearing from me so but we've got to find a way to get out those feelings and so you can do that through journaling and so what I suggest um, to people is that you journal it kind of like a prayer and you go you know dear God you know um, I always encourage them to start with thanksgiving because we can always be thankful for something and the word says enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise right and so begin by thanking the lord for at least three things even if even if it's that thank you i have another day i'm alive thank you that i got out of bed thank you for the sun you know just three things to start off to put your mind in a thankful thing and then I encourage them to write out what they're going through, their feelings. And just get it out. Get that grief out of you is so important to help in the healing process. And then I encourage them, if they can, to get into the Word. You know, some widows I've talked to, they're like, I can't read right now. And then I suggest they listen to the Word of God. But, you know, a lot of times I'll go to bed with the Word of God going in the background so it's it's going into my subconscious so any way to get the word in and I encourage them to get into the word and let the Lord speak to them and then to write that in the journal write the scripture verses that are important to you and then also say them out loud is a proven fact that um, the more of your senses that you use the more areas of your brain your thoughts will go to so if you're writing it out, you can say the scripture verse out loud. And usually I print my scripture verses and then I do cursive writing for all my other journaling. But then I'll also say the scripture verse out loud. So I've got my ears, my eyes, my hands, you know, involving as many of your senses as possible. And it's really going to help it go through your spirit more. So that is just a little help there on journaling. So what I've done is I've tried to give you a better understanding of what a person is facing and the different things they're feeling as they travel through the grief journey. So now we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about, I've got a list for you of things that you can do to help them in their grief journey. First, let's, let them express honestly how they're feeling. Okay? Let them know that, hey, I want you to be honest with me. Something else is realize that their pain is going to come and go. Just uh, be patient. They're going to be moody. They're, you know, there's going to be mood swings. There's going to be emotional outbursts. It's part of the journey. So just be loving and patient with them. And we talked about this. Don't set a timeline for them to be done grieving. Hey, girl, it's been a year. You know, get done with it. It depends upon, you know, your relationship with that person. If you had a deep, you know, close relationship to that person, it could take, you know, a couple, two, three years. So don't set up a timeline. Do encourage people uh, not to make any big decisions for at least a year when possible. All right, because grieving just clouds their mind. And um, I... I went, I went and did something crazy. I 
got my husband's clothes a week or two after he died, and I thought, oh, I'll give them to the people of the church. I'll just bring them to the church, and people can, you know, take whatever they want. Bad idea. <laughs> I did that too quickly. Um, because we ended up staying at the church for four months to help the new pastor to come in and to get comfortable. And you know what I kept seeing? Wayne's clothes. <laughs> Even when I came back a year later to preach at homecoming, the pastor was wearing his, my, my husband's tie and shirt and jacket. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> that was not a wise thing to do. So, But especially bigger decisions, you know, encourage them not to make big decisions. Don't go and sell your home. And, and even insofar as dating, widows come to me and they say, oh, but, you know, I want to remarry. And I'm like, that's fine. You know, if that's your heart, God understands you. And that's fine. But I said, first, you give yourself at least two years to get through the grieving process. The last thing we need to do is to take, you know, the baggage of grief into a new marriage. So definitely, you know, even insofar as dating, uh, wait at least a year because you've got to work through your grief. You want to advise those in grief to seek advice from people they can trust, those who are godly and wise. And you can also help them to do the next thing. You know, grief can become so immobilizing. It, it can just feel so heavy. You don't know what to do next. Just encourage them to take small steps. Get out of bed. Get dressed. You know, I know with COVID, who gets dressed these days? <laughs> From the waist up, right? <laughs> doing, doing it online. But just encourage them in small ways, you know. Encourage them to go out with you if you can, but just small steps, help them to do the next thing. Also, you want to let them know that you care and that you haven't forgotten about them. That's one of the biggest things I hear from widows, you know, and widows in church. Well, they didn't call me. You know, the food, the flowers, the phone calls, the visits, it all comes the first couple weeks, maybe if you're fortunate enough, the first month or so. And then after that, it all goes away and you you know you're still frozen in the realization that your husband's gone or this loved one is gone and everyone's gone on with their life and you're just sitting there going huh you know and so let them know a phone call you know drop by bring a small gift call up and see if you can bring him dinner you know which is a real shocker, two or three, four months after your loved one dies, and suddenly you get an invitation for someone to bring over dinner. A real blessing, a real blessing. I, I had these magnets that everyone got here, and, and, and really it can apply to anyone, but it does share the five top things that I encourage church people to do, you know, to follow James 1.27, where God tells the church, that pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father is that we care for widows. Well, how do we do that? How do we care for widows? How do we care for those who are grieving? First, hug. You don't have to worry about saying the right thing. Just give them a hug. Give them a smile. Let them know they're missed. Okay? And then, and then also, um, check on them. 
Many of them have got doctor's appointments. You know, they could use help with groceries. I discovered after my husband died, groceries are heavy, you know? And so um, a, a lot of widows, we just now, we'll just shop for a little bit at a time. A, it gets us out of the house more. <laughs> B, we don't have to carry in heavy loads of groceries. Thank the Lord for wheel, wheelie helps that kind of help us. But um, also gifts. You know, widows miss, miss um, getting gifts from their spouse. After my husband passed away for my first birthday, my, my youngest son was finishing his last year at Southeastern University. My oldest son didn't have a job yet. And I got no gifts that first birthday. But God, but God knew it was my birthday. And I happened to have set up, this was four months before, I had set up to go to uh, a church in Jackson, Tennessee, where we had youth pastored. And the church couldn't come to the funeral because they had a tornado or something come through. And so we set up a, we, we set up a time that I could meet with the church people. And, you know, they wanted to just share their condolences and all. And so went up there and a friend up there, she was actually the, the youth pastor. She was in our youth group and she was the youth pastor of that church. And so we went and she said, oh, let's go see mom. She's working at you know a shop up in the mall. And so she was working at this cute little gift store. And, and we went in and we talked and everything and we were about to leave. And her mom said, oh, Marlene, go. Go, go get yourself something. I've got some credit in my account. Go get yourself something. So I found myself a cute little cream brulee mix um, uh, for a cheese ball thing. And so I brought it up there, and I was so appreciative. And then she said, Marlene, go get yourself a piece of jewelry. And I said, no, that's okay. She said, go get yourself a piece of jewelry. And so I went, and I got a little bracelet and brought it up. And, and then she said, Marlene, go get yourself a purse. And that's where I drew the line. I said, no. I said, no, those purses are $150. And I mean, my middle name is Clearance, okay? <laughs> and so I was like, no, no, that's okay. Well, she finally encouraged me to get one. And so I went and got this beautiful purple purse and brought it up there. And she said, do you recognize that name? I go, no, I'm not a, I'm not a brand person. And, and she said, well, let me show you some of their purses. And she said, these are past designer purses. And she pulled them up on the website. And the purses sold for $1,200. I call that a kiss from the Father. All right? The Lord remembered my birthday. And he remembered it. And so the Lord will... The Lord will kiss those who are grieving, and, they, and he will find ways to encourage them. But we can do that, too, by, by bringing them gifts. And, um, and so these are, these are just some different ideas that you can do with widows. You can do uh, wi with people who are grieving. But, but definitely check on them. Uh, and then also you want to encourage them, don't rush them to get rid of their loved one's belongings, okay? You let them release the clothing, the shoes, all of that when it's the right time for them. Don't push them to do that. There will be a time. It might be five, six years down. My husband had 25 years of daytimers. It was not until I think year 
seven or year eight that I decided to finally get rid of all of those day timers and sermon notes. Sermon notes I hung on to a little bit longer than that. You know, I picked out my favorite, but, and then we had the rest of them, of course, all on computer. So I finally let go of that. But let people let go of things at their pace. Don't push them to do that kind of thing, okay? Many times all a grieving person needs is just a listening ear and a hug. So you can do that. You know, the Bible talks about be quick to listen. So let's be a listening ear to them. And also you can encourage those who are grieving not to compare themselves to others because everybody's journey is different. Also, you need to encourage them to be honest emotionally, you know, um, and just give them grace, you know. Don't get your feelings hurt, as we mentioned earlier. If they say something wrong, just remember who they are and just be a friend to them. And, and let them know that you want them to be honest with you. If they're having a rough day, you know, let them, give them permission to share that with you. All right, but also encourage them to make new memories while still celebrating the old. We can do both, you know. We can still continue with with some of those, you know, the memories, the celebrations, the way we did Christmas before. But then we can also go ahead and make new memories. So one of the biggest things we just want to do is we want to live out First Corinthians thirteen, the real things about you know loving a person. And definitely pray for them and be a friend and be Christ-like to them. So thank you so much for joining us. We here at Widows Link, if I can help in any way, whether it be with widows, whether it be in teaching grief to your church at all, I do want to encourage you to check out griefshare.org. I believe every church needs to be teaching about grief. We need to prepare our people for grief because they're all going to face it. Why not prepare them ahead of time? <clears throat> but you can go to griefshare.org. And I would encourage you to even go to a session in your area. When you go to their website, you can put in your zip code and it will show all the different places around you. Um, and the closest groups they have to you, I would encourage you to go and check it out for yourself because it is wonderful. And when you do grief share, please make sure the people have the workbooks. The workbooks are an absolute necessity to that because when you do the, it, it is a video series for 13 weeks and all the teachings on the screen, they do a great job of preparing the facilitator for it. It is, it is wonderful. I mean, people use it all over the world. Um, and so, you know, here is a tool, you know, Christ-centered tool, several times through it. You know, they talk about the plan of salvation and having Christ. And so that's just, that's from beginning to end. So we as a church, we need to be able to teach our folks what's ahead about grief. Because each and every one of us need that. Because I don't know about you, but I didn't take that grief 101 when I was, you know, when I was a teenager. But thank the Lord, GriefShare has put this together. So I encourage you to go to griefshare.org. Also, another good ministry that was mentioned in one of the other classes is Stephen's Ministries. Stephen Ministries has four books for grieving people. I would definitely suggest that you get 
that you go ahead and order those four books and check them out. And what you do is you end up sending, per, sending the person every three months, you end up sending them another book. You know, the first one to begin their grief journey and then three months later. So here they have helps four times throughout that first year of grief. So they are wonderful books. It's short, but really, really to the point and are really good. So you've got, you've got griefshare.org, Stephen Ministries, and then also widowslink.org. We have, we have over 80 Facebook Lives on there to help widows. We have uh, different materials to help you begin a widow's ministry. We are here, our team is here to help you in any way possible because together we can help those who are grieving. So thank you so much for joining us today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his peace rest upon you. Thank you so much. Bye now.